Hello and welcome to The Run-In. This episode's going to be a bit different to usual as well. I'm stuck in stormy, rainy UK. Will has jetted off to a training camp in Portugal with his Swedish club. And in between all the sessions, he's been grabbing quick chats with people who are there. So later on, we're going to hear from some of the Brits, Hector Haynes and Will t- Will's teammates from Octavian Drubers, Matt Elkington and Nathan Lawson, as well as Hungarian Jaywalk medalist Sofia Sarkozy and whoever else Will manages to find along the way. But first of all, Will thought he'd take you behind the scenes and undercover from the camp, recording some of Coach Johan Runesson's briefing. So it's the morning of day three of the camp now. It's half seven-ish on the way to breakfast. Uh, It's been for two days. I've been here since... um, Sunday night, it's kind of 50 to 60k in terrain already with three trains a day. Yesterday started at nine, um, leaving the accommodation, got back from night training at nine o'clock. So it's a pretty full on time. Um, today, we've got middle distance training in the morning now that everyone's arrived, which is deemed as our priority training for the day. So each day on camp, Johan sets a specific um, task and focus for each training and there's normally one where we're expected to go as hard as we can, um, and that's middle distance this morning. So we've got a full start list, um, two minute separation between all the guys and all the girls, and um, yeah, essentially we go and uh, go and race this morning. So um, this will kind of be an indicator of form of where everyone is matching up against each other on the camp, and um, then this afternoon is slightly slower technique training, and then back into the night this evening. So uh, a bit of mass start night training as well, um, but it's all pretty. Uh, yeah, full on, and we'll see how we go in the uh, in the race this morning. Check the start list, and then you like know when to start. And it's two minutes starting to It's the same with the men, but I will handle that run. And the start for the men is on this road, 250 meters, when there's a big crossing. I mean, the men they definitely gonna run the whole course. And the finish of the boat loops are right here. So you do like five minutes break here. And then you like, during those five minutes, you jog down to the next start. But do not look at the map more than necessary. Like try to avoid it. Because it's still, uh, if you have done it on the way on the first loop, of course you, you have done it. Because it's like, you have those. But when you're here, you should not read the map. Just go down there and then you restart next five minutes. So if you caught the guy or if you caught the girl, it means the same with the girl. But the girls is like 4.3. Those who only want to run 4.3 fast, of course they can stop it. They don't have to do the second loop. So that was a little bit of Coach Johan Runesson's briefing there. We're going to hear more from him later on in the podcast. But after the first couple of training sessions of the day, we'll meet up with fellow GB athlete Hector Haynes to chat about what they were up to during the camp. We're here with EFK Lidinger, our Swedish club. There is about 27 of us um, here, dotted around in various houses in our little um, little complex. And um, yeah, we're here for, I guess, 10, 10 days and training two, three times a day, um, looking forward towards the season. So um, I guess, Hector, do you want to run us through a, a day on camp? Yeah, I mean, today is a pretty typical day. Uh, we're looking at three sessions today. Wake up uh, not too early, you know, but um, getting out the door and into the cars for nine o'clock and then off to the training. 
Um, this morning, for instance, we had a corridor training and a middle distance training together on the same map. So that's about an hour's training, come back for lunch. Um, we were all cooking lunch for uh, each other, um, self-catering style. So that's quite nice. And then uh, after lunch, we've got an afternoon training. That's going to start about three o'clock this afternoon. Mm -hmm. A similar thing again, like up here in the mountains, it's quite technical, rocky. So it'll be a, a kind of shortish style training. Um, again, focusing on technique and this sort of thing rather than uh, the physicality. And then, of course, come back and um, make sure the head torches are charged up for the night training. And then, and then it's... Um, it's quite a big focus, uh, at least for the guys here, to yeah. do some night training ahead of the season, in particular Tiamila, uh, which is coming up in April. End of April, uh, May, in fact. Uh, yeah, start of May. Yeah, first start of May. May, yeah, that's right. Getting excited for that. And uh, so that's going to be typical. And, and the night training tonight is going to be diamonds. So mm -hmm. we'll do like a mass start uh, style. And then it's uh, gaffled. So the, co the courses are... Everyone runs the same um, in in the end, but the the system of uh, splitting is uh, a diamond. Yeah. Um, so, so you get that pressure of being head to head, bit of competition against everybody, and and you're under pressure, just like a real situation to to do it yourself and yeah. not follow anybody. Yeah, I mean it's a fun, it's the fun way to run night training. I think it's yeah. it's definitely more motivating. You know, you do your warm up all together, and then. Uh, every everyone in the team is is there and together, and and yeah, you're running in real time against one another and uh, that that is more motivating and, and you can see I think it helps to build like the team dynamic quite a lot when mm. you're running mass start stuff especially in the night you know because it's such a special experience and, and here abroad as well like I think it really does add to the sort of the bonding of the team as well as the obviously the value of, of the training mm. itself so yeah definitely you're kind of all in that same situation of of roughing it out a bit and making mistakes and because you do make mistakes because it's different terrain it's different technicality to what you're, you're used to maybe especially from Scandinavia to here and Britain to here so um, the terrain itself like you said is, is really quite rocky technical um, tough underfoot um, can be quite scrappy in places so especially at night you're under quite a lot of pressure to be hitting, hitting stuff cleanly and making sure that if you've got a gap, maybe try and stay away from the group and you've got a little bit of race pressure as well so definitely the fun way of doing it No, definitely and, and you know there's a lot of athletes here that don't live in Stockholm as well, you know. We, we've got quite an international team, so to have everyone coming together and, and then also doing these night trainings, you know, it adds a little bit of extra from what we're doing um, in Stockholm itself over the winter. So, um, yeah, it's really nice to, to be able to do that. Yeah, no, definitely. And and you get that same benefit on the, the day trains as well. And we've got Johan Runesen as our, as our coach, so he's... Um, kind of been setting some of the training some of them have been set for us by the local club and he's out there shadowing us and um kind of being present on all of the trainings to put that extra pressure on us to uh um to kind of perform and and deal with the pressure what's it like with johan suddenly popping up behind you at night often he's got a speaker system on his back blaring some tunes to to try and distract you yeah i mean you know seeing johan in any situation is distracting uh, <laughs> More or less, like it. It depends, you know, how visible his beyond boxes, uh, his beyond board boxes are. But uh, yeah, usually he's, you know, he's chugging along, and uh, he'll come up behind you, and uh, you then uh, you feel the pressure for sure. Of course, you wanna, you don't wanna 
get on the wrong side of his uh, technical wrath, so to speak. You know, he he really will pull you apart if you're if you're not navigating uh, cleanly. So yeah, you you want to <laughs> focus in then and and really get everything right and obviously be smooth. But you know, it's very difficult as well if if you're not quite sure of yourself to really have that discipline to stop and he'll be right there behind you and he's probably going to give you some chat you know yeah um but you've just got to you got to ignore these distractions and um but it's great to have him along because he's got such a such an incredible technical perspective that allows you to really go in deep with the analysis afterwards and and Mm. having him there in real time as well really helps you to you know improve during the session as well and so you can get that you know hopefully if you're not doing it correctly in the beginning, you can be really good by the end. And, uh, yeah, that's a great benefit to have, I think. Yeah, definitely. He's already pulled me up once or twice and just gone, stop there. What's, what are you doing? You know, yeah, this yeah. is how you do it. And yeah. and it's it's not kind of, like Ed was saying before, it's, it's three sessions in a day, but then we've also got analysis sessions alongside that. And we upload all of our GPS tracks to... Um, a system called LiveLock, so that means we can run through everyone's GPS head-to-head together and see which routes different people took, you know, what what were they seeing in the terrain that we weren't seeing, is there anything that we can learn from each other along the way, so um, it's definitely more of a, a team coming together to help each other improve rather than just a solo endeavour being out there on your own, and, and Johan definitely focus on that, make sure that he's not just focusing on one person in particular if he's shadowing them he's, he's shadowing everyone else as we're going through as well so there's that pressure for everyone whether it's from the the junior guys who are here or the um the women's team or the men's team you know he's he's kind of involved with the whole uh whole sphere of people so um mm-hmm. we've got lots of different abilities here from people from age 17 up to um i guess morton's probably the oldest at I don't know. I don't. Want, I don't want to get, guess his name because I get it wrong. Mid thirties. Yeah, yeah. Mid thirties. I guess we'll uh, we'll dive back in to you as well, Hector. Um, since we last spoke, you've been on a bit of a round the world trip. How was that? And uh, and what's the season looking like for you? Yeah. So end of last year, end of November, um, I took a flight across to South America and um, spent a long time down there in in the Patagonian region. Yeah, Chile and Argentina, which was fun. That's something I'd always wanted to do. Um, I mean, the whole idea basically came about because, um, yeah, last year was a bit of a, a bad year for me and I wanted something to look forward to in the end of the year. And, um, yeah, so I planned this, you know, I okayed with my boss and that and t- took a sabbatical for three months um, and then planned it, yeah. So Patagonia for uh best part of six weeks and then um i was also in new zealand for six weeks ish and then uh australia for a few weeks and then back here so um yeah it's been it's been really good uh chasing the sun you know in the southern hemisphere (laughs) and i think probably my legs are the most tanned they've ever been so that's that's i was admiring your tanned arms earlier (laughs) i'm I'm looking very pasty from the british winter (laughs) yeah so i mean this is a warm weather camp for most people but for me it feels cold i'm you know (laughs) i I put my thermal on for the first time in uh, three months so yeah so what's it like that kind of You'd not been doing much orienteering during that time, so what was it like kind of jumping back in? No, exactly. So the idea was, um, yeah, ex- do some exploring, get in the mountains, um, do a lot of, like, kind of high technical, you know, stuff in the mountains, uh, long running, big base training, um, kind of 
yeah, I realized like what makes me happy emotionally. Yeah, one of the one of the major things is is being in the mountains, mm -hmm. and uh, so I've really missed that in the last year or so. And yeah, thought thought I needed some extra, so that was that was the idea. And um, with a with a view, obviously, this year I'm going to focus on some mountain running and actually competing in the mountains. So cool. I've got a full season of sky running planned starting in May. Because you've dived into that obviously yeah. before in yeah in exactly tandem. exactly. So 2017 when I um, took a year out from from most international competition. I threw my energy into the sky running season. Uh, managed to <clears throat> get a good score and uh, competed well to the end of the season um, for an overall fifth place in the in the World Series there. So very nice. Yeah. So now I'm excited again. You know, world world champs being just a sprint year um, for yeah. for many people. Um, and of course, Europeans in the forest, but that's in Estonia. So, yeah, it's it's for me. I think my strengths lie in the mountains this year. So, cool. um, especially considering you know last year in Norway, that was a real big focus for me. I'd been training and preparing for that for over three years. Basically, oh, really? since, wow. since 2016, it was the biggest thing in the, yeah. in the next three years. So, having that and then feeling like I needed a break and having this year as being something that you know an opportunity where I can take a break mm. um, that being said I still need to think about keeping my world ranking current um, so I'm going to be doing World Cups like Switzerland and Italy and yeah and good long distance in the Swiss hills probably exactly, see you yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah no I should do I mean looking at the old map and the terrain there like super steep kind of rocky should be fairly technical slope style yeah. hills, hillside orienteering with, with a good amount of physicality so yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to that definitely because obviously you need the, a good world ranking for a good start position at WOC in 2021 Czech Republic yep. incredibly technical you know physical as well so yep. going for that yeah 2021 that's the major focus now um, in orienteering for me <clears throat> I'm going to be uh, doing probably two training camps this year if, um, and then another couple next year before the world champs as well. So no, it's going to be uh, it's going to be really good. And yeah. having the focus on that is something that is keeping me motivated as well. Like to to really be good there, I think is is going to set you apart. Mm -hmm. um, and so the opportunities to get a great result, uh, I think, are quite high if you if you're focused on it. So definitely, yeah. And any aims for a result for the Skyrolling series? But back to that fifth place. Yeah, I mean that would top three. <laughs> that would be great. I mean, if I can do that, I'll be super happy. You know, um, but just being consistent across the board is probably yeah, more. Uh, yeah, I mean, each race is kind of a bit different. It has a different, you know, style and a different vibe. The first one that I'm going to do, Transvolcania in May. It's like 75 kilometers with four and a half thousand meters of climb. That's Gran Canaria. Uh, La Palma, yeah, La Palma, in, in, yeah, the, yeah. in the Canaries, yeah, yeah. yeah so. That's going to be pretty epic. Um, I've done it once before in 2017. So, yeah, I, th I feel like that could go quite well, actually. Suits me okay. Um, and then there's some more technical ones later on in the series, some shorter ones, you know, more intense. So um, we'll see how it goes. But, yeah, I'm hoping I'm hoping that um, certainly my, my shape and being able to put in a good amount of vertical kilometres this, uh, this winter is, is going to put me in the mix yeah I'm, I'm sure it will any other orienteers that you know about who are going to be like dabbling in it or just you at the moment um, I'm sure there will be some yeah, maybe throughout yeah, the year yeah. but not consistently 
I mean, of course, Tovi Alexanderson, a couple of years ago, she won the World Championships. Yeah. Judith Vida last year absolutely smashed the Golden Trail Series. Um, so, yeah, I mean, those two girls are incredible at skyrunning as well as the orienteering. Um, I know that Antonio Martinez Perez has kind of switched now, yeah, mostly to um, to the mountain running and skyrunning. He did awesome in the mountain running world champs just last November. Um, so I, th- I think he'll be he'll be good depending on what he chooses to do. I'm not sure exactly which races he's decided on. Okay. Um, but then, yeah, I mean, it's becoming more and more popular. I think in in orient- with orienteers to just do one or two races and the strength and the physicality and the technicality required for those races actually suits orienteers quite well. So. Yeah. You just need to have that kind of natural endurance base and you'll, you'll be right on this. So. Yeah. I might give it a go. Yeah, you See should, what goes. You well, should. maybe not 75k, that would be No, I mean, yeah, start small, you know, and do like 30k's or something. Yeah, and, uh, I've done the Sears and R before. Okay, so that's a good, that, that's, that's that's good, good entry level, level yeah, yeah. base level. Yeah. So yeah. you'd recommend them to anyone looking for a bit of, go little summer trip away, maybe they've not been, let's say they don't get selected for something in the summer, maybe a trip to the Alps, try, try a race. Oh, definitely. I mean, there's nothing more, for me, there's nothing more exciting than being in the Alps, you know, racing on the trails, like pushing yourself hard in the mountains, incredible views, you know, start and finish in a picturesque small town, lots of cheese, lots of wine, lots of beer, you know, <laughs> all the good stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, mountains. Professional and, uh, yeah, so. yeah, nutrition. Oh, I mean, you know. Reclaim in the morning. When you finish a race and they hand you a beer, you know it's, it's good. Right? Yeah, so that, is, that is true. I think that's why a lot of people love fell running as well. You know? it's, it's, yeah. So that's that kind of like vibe. And I would say the difference, of course, is sky running has a more professional feel to fell running. So if you if you enjoy this sort of amateur sort of vibe that you get in fell running, you know, where you turn up and you have to you have to be wearing shorts and a singlet and you know, if your singlet's got a few holes in it or is a bit dated and faded then then you're cool. Yeah. Whereas in sky running it's completely different, you know, like everyone's got all the gear and like it's yeah, yeah. it's kind of like a bit more full kit. Yeah, a little bit What's more full, full kit and like uh yeah, there is some pretension to some of it, but it's kind of like jazzy, you know, and exciting. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so maybe some, yeah, encouraging people to go and give something a bit of a, a different try over the summer. And I know a few of my mates and in my friendship group, we're trying to get a bit more into it. And regular last couple of years, we've gone to the Dolomites. So it's definitely something that, like you say, I think suits our interiors quite well. And yeah. um, that, that we can get some benefit out of just training wise as well and getting in the hills and like I say big base especially for people doing long distance that's really key yeah. it's just such an epic experience you know so a lot of these races are truly epic in mm. their nature and the views the and everything way, yeah just the way they're designed you know you just run straight up you know 2,000 <laughs> metres maybe you go to a 3,000 metre peak and then you're descending through technical terrain and rocks and and it's yeah super cool so I'd, I'd recommend it to anyone uh, who who thinks they they want to do it yeah. i would say give it a try yeah. definitely um and then bring it back to to this week um five days up here in the mountains left and then we'll head down to the coast of it what's your kind of aims for the next few days i guess mine are mine are trying to get my technique back to where i feel it should be there's been not much orienteering i've been doing over the last few months in britain so i'm trying to um kind of really get my mind back into the process of doing orienteering consistently um trying to get into the train, flow through it, pick out good features to use, you know, little like classic jargon that you throw out there, but really kind of get, getting my mindset into um, performing in technical terrain against, especially like I said, head to head for the night stuff um, yourself. Yeah, I think that's right. There's definitely something you can, you can focus on 
um, easily this week. For me, I'm wanting to essentially, yeah, really ask questions of myself when I'm orienteering and, you know, how am I doing this? Why am I doing it? You know, is there a better way of, of navigating here in this terrain? You know, am I taking the right features and this sort of thing? Um, how am I using my compass? Can I be more accurate? Um, all of these things, like, it's, I think, training the training camp um, sort of setup allows you to do all these things um, in a sort of, you know, safe environment. And then maybe going pushing the pace, getting up to race speed. You know, yesterday we did some really hard head-to-head orienteering intervals, so that's kind of like a bit of overspeed almost. So that, that teaches you a lot about how fast you can go if you really want to, Yeah. how much you can push yourself. And that's really important to know when you get to the competition, which, which is for us um, in Sweden at least, it's going to start basically in March, um, end of March. So it's not so long now no. to, to the start of the season. So it's really about, yeah, getting those getting those final touches and, and realizing, okay, what do I need to work on now in this next month to be really good once we hit the season? Because one thing is for sure, the Swedes, they get excited about the start of the season. <laughs> and, and honestly, like the first few races in the beginning of the season, everyone is like full on like... Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so everyone's so excited, you know winter's finished sort of the the racing season started again and they, those first few races are crazy but um and i guess it's full it's full on relay season at that time of year isn't it so there's the individual season in terms of the silver league which they use mm-hmm. for selection races for national team in places yeah yeah i mean i just correct you there i don't think it's sponsored by silver anymore oh, it's, oh it's, ooh, called, it's called the, it's, it's called the swedish league but okay yeah, the yeah, swedish league it's like sl they still call it like sl yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but um yeah, so there's there's those series of races. I think uh, there's a, they, they have a mixture of disciplines that culminate in a final. Um, there's obviously Swedish night champs. There's Swedish ultra long champs here in the in the start of the season. So they're all individual. And then yeah, we've got also like four or five relay uh, events um, over weekends that will set us up into Team Ela. Mm. Uh, a couple of them have night components to them, uh, at least in the men's. And then the rest of them are sort of like day relays, you know, four or five legs uh, to the team. And yeah, it's it's really fun. I mean, like, I think the spring season in Scandinavia is kind of like, it's exciting. It's super mm. exciting. Um, I always think of it as very similar to the uh, the cycling cobble classic season. So you right. get like opening weekend at the start of March and you've got kind of eight races all the way through to to what's Paris-Roubaix at the end yeah, of it. So yeah. it all builds in one big crescendo. Yeah, you get yeah. some teams that win one race then don't perform well in the next one. So it's all just building. Everyone's honing the skills into that one final point. Yeah, exactly. And there's so much speculation, you know. Like yeah. with, with Team Mila, when in, it gets... When it, yeah, out? exactly. When Team Mila gets closer and closer, I mean, people love to speculate. Um, yeah. And, they, you know, everyone's reading into all these, like, small <laughs> relay races and that. And, uh, but, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's so it's good fun. Yeah, and you can practice your like, your team orders and leg changes. And, yeah, and exactly. Like yeah, well. so the the team will be will have like some kind of strategy um, in these races that we're going to do in the in the build up to Team Ela. There's going to be some yeah some testing of runners. You know, maybe the younger guys or less experienced guys put them in some pressure situations, see how they perform, and and you know help them to 
help them to get the most out of themselves so that, yeah, if we need to rely on them in Tiamila and for something critical there, then, then yeah, they, they've got the experience. And so it is a bit about that, yeah. Will will catch up with more of the Brits later on in the episode, but he and Hector also decided to have a chat to the Hungarian Jaywalk medalist from the long distance in Hungary in 2018, Sofia Sarkozy. How did you get into orienteering? How did you start in the sport? Mm, I got into orienteering when I was 10. I was swimming before, but uh, it was kind of enough from that, so I wanted to skip sport. Yeah, and actually I haven't even heard from orienteering before, but my mum found it. Okay. Uh, like the local sport facilities. Uh, and then I went to a training just to see around how it is. And actually the people were fun there. So I joined for more trainings and then I got into orienteering too. Yeah. <laughs> so how did, how did you become elite then from, from that point? For instance, you know, do they have a good club setup, regional setup, then national team, or like how do you move through that as a junior? Yeah, I mean, as a ten-year-old runner, I was running uh, first at local competitions, then uh, already on Hungarian championships, and then uh, yeah, slowly it became a goal to be into the in the youth team. Yeah, and I. Then I ran my first uh, AOC when I was uh, 16, so actually quite old. And uh, yeah, from there it was just like youth team runner, then junior team, and now elite team. So, yeah. so quite process, a steady, yeah. <laughs> steady pathway through of just ticking yeah, off yeah. things as you went. So, so what was that kind of first experience like of, of going into the junior team for the Junior World Championships then? Uh, a lot of yes, pressure or quite quite an easy step up? Uh, yeah, I would say that I didn't really know what to expect from myself. I mean, on the results part. Uh, because I knew I'm in good shape and I know the terrains or the type of terrain well. Mm-hmm. So I knew that I can do well, but I didn't know how far I can come on the results part. So actually, uh, getting a silver medal there was kind of a surprise for me too okay was it <laughs> was it quite local to you the terrain from from 2018 in hungary or was uh, it yeah it's uh two hours to drive from my home so it's like not too far away and uh, as i was studying only in part-time that year i could go there even uh, during weekdays to train oh cool so i had like one training per week uh, in that area or yeah. kind of similar terrains. Oh, awesome. And how, how long was that for? Because I don't know when they announced the location of Jaywalk. It's a couple of, couple of years before, is it? Uh, that you so knew about I it? Know, and then... Like maybe two years before. Yeah. <laughs> but I know like three years before I wasn't even in the national team. So hmm. uh, okay, it's it a wasn't quick like... Progression. Yeah. <laughs> Did you always, like, you know, you said it was a surprise, but you must have realised, okay, I, you have some potential in this... Uh, yeah, of course I in knew. In the race, and, like, how did you how did you focus in the, like, you know, in the beginning of that race or the, the mental preparation that you must have gone through to, to race really well there? Mm, yeah, so I had already some nice feedbacks uh, during the spring. Like, there was a... 
kind of official selection race in March when uh, I I was beating even Simona Ibersold. So okay. and I won the race. So that was kind of first feedback that okay, if you are doing well then you can come quite high. And yeah, I was preparing mentally for that competition. Mm. Yeah, like studying maps and uh, building tactics that you have to do in that type of terrain. Mm. Is that what got you the selection for the walk debut that year? Or was that already decided before J-Walk? Uh, yeah, actually, I was just running the selection races for walk because kind of why not? If mm-hmm. I'm there at the competition, yeah. then why not trying it? And then I got into the elite team, so... I was like, okay, I won't prepare for walk, but uh, as I have, I had like one month between J-Walk and walk. I thought, okay, I can recover from J-Walk and yeah, of course, not focus on walk, but uh, still run there and uh, do there the best I have. Yeah. <laughs> and what what was that like then? Kind of changing your mentality of you've you've had a fantastic performance at J-Walk and then trying to not put too much pressure on yourself for that next that next step in your progression mm. yeah of course running a walk was quite different i mean i i knew i don't have chances there for any top positions yeah because yeah chaywalk is another level <laughs> uh, <laughs> but i know the terrains weren't that hard i think in latvia or it wasn't that special for me yeah, it's quite mm. green wasn't it yeah mm. Scrappy. It was quite continental, mm. uh, so yeah, I had like changed my uh, training style in that month a little bit, like uh, focusing more on hilly and green uh, running. <laughs> <laughs> so just yeah. pushing through horrible bits of forest every single day. No, I haven't done that, but <laughs> yeah, I have done more trainings in that month okay and what was it now that you've decided to move to scandinavia because obviously you live in stockholm um for the last year yeah uh actually it was a big dream since more years and then uh, i knew i have this year a chance Uh, i mean i am the in the right uh, kind of part of my studies that i can do an exchange year now and uh, yeah, so this year is more about uh, development and uh, like experiencing Scandinavian terrains and lifestyle and training style, whatever. Do you think it helped you with the world champs in um, Stromstad? Uh, sorry, not Stromstad, um, in Norway, in Ostfold last year, being able to train in a little bit in mm. Swedish terrain before that or...? Yeah, I wasn't really training in uh, Swedish terrain before. I mean, no. I moved to Sweden exactly after the walk, or uh, a yeah. week after walk. <laughs> Perfect timing. So, <laughs> now it feels actually that I could do much better in in a walk in Norway mm-hmm. uh, if I would have moved earlier. But <laughs> yeah, that's not the case. Okay, but so now, but you've you've had that time now in Sweden, a good winter yeah. with the club and things and. Do you feel like it's it's been a good springboard into this uh, year? Like, what's the big aims and focuses now for this year? Uh, actually, I don't have really big goals for this year. It's more about uh, development and building up myself, both mentally, physically, whatever, technically. 
So I would like to run AOC and the World Cup races, but I'm focusing more on VOC uh, next year in Czech Republic and then on the AOC in Hungary in uh, two years. So you see yourself much more as that forest-based athlete than, yeah, than the sprint? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not really motivated to train for sprint. Mm, <laughs> I enough. mean, I don't even see that big potential in myself for sprint races. Okay. So... So and and do you prefer middle or long? How do you how do you weigh up the mm. the style of your orienteering and the the way you you like to orientate? Uh, actually, I like both of them. Usually, I see like uh, I have a better chance to achieve a great result in middle if I can perform well, but I have a more stable performance in long. So it's like uh, I can do that well on long maybe because I'm not that strong or fast yet. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and on the middle, if I'm technically like putting things uh, well together, then I can still be quite high up. <laughs> yeah, because I noticed you've, you've had a focus on night training now this winter, which is kind of unusual for uh, <laughs> f- female athletes, at least to really enjoy it and really focus on the technique like mm-hmm. do you do you consciously like to do night training to get that technique uh, uh, really like demanding technique training? yeah yeah uh i don't always like night trainings but i know <laughs> i sympathize <laughs> <laughs> but i know that it's uh helping a lot i mean uh, i can uh, learn a lot of things from night trainings and yeah now i have the chance to run many night training so why not using it (laughs) and is that what you're kind of looking to get out of the camp here just really nail down that that technical aspect so maybe skipping the odds daylight training to focus more on the night uh no i wouldn't say that so still uh i don't have any important races during the night so i prefer daylight but uh, when i'm doing three trainings here in the camp then i'm doing the night training too Okay, yeah. just to make sure that you're getting that extra benefit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I guess what's the uh, benefit, uh, well, not the benefit, but the um, the aims for the season with the club then moving forward? So we've got Tia, Amelia and Eucla, I guess, are the big aims. What's your kind of plans for, for that in the midst of mm. your season? Yeah, the spring is now for me, like I have the main, fo- main focus for the spring uh, on the relays as I'm not preparing for Vogue. Uh, so it's yeah, Tio Milan, Ducola for sure. I mean, we will see in which team I can get. Oh, the first team, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm aiming for the first team, and I hope I can get there. But yeah, I have to work for it hard. Yeah. Any any leg preference that you'd want? Uh, Early, late, or? Yeah, for sure not first leg. Oh, that's the funnest I, one. Uh, <laughs> I don't like mustard that much and uh, not the third leg because I don't think uh, I can do that well on an unforked leg okay. I mean I think there are runners who can do much better than me mm. yeah. so, so, so you bit. want to try and beat Tove in a sprint finish on the fourth maybe? Yeah for sure <laughs> I, think, I think that can happen yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can see that happening yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to see that happen I really would oh, it would be a great, be a great be moment I think in Orient to, to yeah. see that yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, what's the uh, what's the kind of plans for the um, 
for the rest of the build-up into into that and the rest of the camp then i guess what's the benefits of of being here for you is it just escaping the winter is it being able just to do three trainings a day every day Uh, or yeah of course it's nice to have sun here (laughs) but uh uh, i know like the focus is more on technical uh, development like having two or three orienteering trainings a day it's quite cool just finally and a bit of a different subject what do you think is your number one tip for any young junior athletes who you know are coming through um and looking hopefully to perform at jaywalk or get in get in the team for jaywalk and how do you Mm. think you know you would what would you say to them to to really help them mm, i would say believe in yourself even you if you if you have a not the best even if you don't have the best days and you have uh, you are uh, down because uh, yeah of course you can change your um, attitude or whatever and uh, and then you can still be high up some weeks later and some months later mm, nice yeah. Just yeah, keep on I, going. <laughs> I think you're definitely right. I mean, <coughs> persistency pays off, and especially in orienteering, you can, if you can be persistent and be clever and be dedicated to the training, you, you can yeah. get there. So yeah. Wise words from the Hungarian Sofia Sarkozy there, and later on in the day, we'll manage to catch up with some more of the Brits out on the training camp in Portugal. So just looking out onto the lovely vista of the Portuguese town, we're. Um, staying in, I'm with Matt Elkington. Matt, it's your first um, warm weather camp with the team. How's it all going for you so far? Happy days, like nice bit of sun. Orienteering's been a bit, bit messy, but it's quite nice for us. So you don't really mind getting lost. You just, just get on with it, I suppose. But yeah. I had my legs already. So why is it, why has it been messy? Any, um, what, what are you kind of focusing on for this camp? What are you looking to get out of it? Um, learn how to orienteer would be a good start. <laughs> okay, um, okay. So you didn't know how to orienteer before you? Oh, pretty much not. Okay. I spent too much time last year just running up and down hills, which was quite fun. But you forget a bit, you get quite rusty. So um, so what just, was the reason for that break? Oh, I just I just get bored doing one thing, so I have to switch. So okay. I tend to switch between orienteering and fell each year. Um, and this year, hopefully, you get to world unis and maybe Europeans that are pushes the aim. Because whereas last year there wasn't really a lot to aim for if you're not quite in the top level, which I'm not. So okay. so f- full focus on world unis and Europeans. So yeah. being out here. Um, in like I said, good technical terrain. What are your kind of what are your aims for the week and the camp and and coming back to Britain from this? Um, sort of get my process back on because at the moment I'm a bit just sort of run and hope a lot of the time. So try and get myself back to a bit of an orienteering process for each control. So you know, setting that plan, getting the picture of the control, that sort of thing. Um, just enjoy my orienteering, I suppose. I haven't come with any overall aims. I've sort of set aims for each session. So like, if it's you know been nice and ahead of myself or making a decent plan for every single leg on that training rather than having a overall goal for the week yeah it's a good and, good and process driven yeah focus that's why i'm trying to do it any extra pressure that you feel from the amount of people that are here or anything like that um, i know that's been affecting me a little bit on our, on our middle distance training this morning kind i suppose of- i feel i feel a bit of got to prove myself pressure having cause i joined the club in december last year haven't run any competitions with them haven't done any big races recently so it's kind of like you got to prove to them that you know you're good enough to do a decent job at like Tiamida and Yukla for them yeah because um, that's what it's all about with the uh, with the club and yeah. what a lot of people are focusing on just because they're club runners they're not going to do any 
internationals or aim for world juniors or anything like that is their full focus of the year is those those kind of few races in the spring yeah yeah um so you got to impress johan really haven't you when he runs yeah. uh, he likes he likes to run behind you with the with the speakers at which point you're like right I've got to not make any mistakes because he will judge you very very heavily i'm like the slightest little miss. Yeah, I'm rooming with Johan as well, so I've been getting judged a bit, yeah. a bit more than most, maybe. Yeah. Um, but it's but it's good in terms of the I think the feedback he gives you in um, like just move on from the training, focus on the next one, and like there's always one more. You can be angry about it for a little while, and then just new focus. I yeah. Think, but yeah, I haven't had any that have made me proper annoyed yet. Like my first my my first training here was pretty terrible, but I just I'd got up at six in the morning, flown, and driven for like four hours, so my head was just. Scrambled. Absolute, yeah, absolute mess. Yeah. Um, and then it sort of got better each time. I tend to be mostly be good and they make like one big mistake each training, which is needs to be ironed out. But this morning was the first uh, sort of one I've tried to do fast, and that was mostly good. Um, I beat Willie um, and Nathan, <laughs> so put myself in prime spot the OD re- for the relay team. So that's that's always good. Yeah, we'll have selection races later for in the year. For oh, that. I, I, don't, heard, don't worry. I heard today was a, was a key key race for it. Okay. <laughs> The devil. And He's and we're also now joined by Nathan Lawson, uh, another key member of the okay. early relay team, but he's also here in warm weather camp. Nathan, yep. how you find it so far? How's it been? Uh, yeah, I'm quite tired. It's been really good though. This year. So um, you've been here from the first day, so a yeah. lot of training, feeling pretty knackered? Yeah. Um, yeah, done everything so far. It's really, it's tiring, but it's good quality, so it doesn't kind of take too much effort to get out and do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's your kind of... Your aims for the rest of the camp and what you're focusing on for for the rest of the week or or just this afternoon maybe for our our technique training this afternoon. Oh, I think based off this morning, it's got to be uh, taking my time in the circle, both in and out, because it was pretty awful this morning. What What about going to all the controls? Because you, you missed that one this morning. Yeah, well. that in fact, but, in yeah. fact, both of you are yeah. the only one not to have missed. Might have bailed on a control this well, this morning. I found the tape, so I'm claiming a control. But I mean, we did. Terror, I'd just like to to break it to you we did do night training there last night so there might have been a night tape oh that makes more sense yeah yeah yeah. just to break your heart yeah whereas i just completely skipped the control so i have no excuses yeah Yeah. no yeah i mean the second half was good but the first was quite embarrassing and and full focus on the british season when we get back yeah definitely yeah sort of two weeks after we get back i think or three weeks it starts so and then it's a race every weekend which is good but yeah, yeah going to be tiring. So going to be going to be intense. Very gonna intense, be, uh, but it's, it's going to be good. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, hopefully, like not as intense as ten days of training camp. So yeah, it's, uh, be easy. But yeah, it's, it's life on tour for us at the moment. So it's ten minutes until our next training. So time to get ready and let's go find I'm some flags. Happy. I might just sunbathe. No, no, it's time to find some flags. So as we've heard already in this episode, night orienteering is a really, really big part of this training camp in Portugal. And whilst night orienteering doesn't feature much in the UK scene, yes, we have the Harvester, it's um, much, much bigger in Scandinavia where they have Tiamila and Yukala. So Will thought he would have a chat to Coach Johan Runison about how you should orienteer during the night. We're, we're going to head out night orienteering now. You're, uh, you're fixing up the training and and analysis for us later. Uh, what's your what's your top top three tips for how to night orienteer well? Oh, uh, night orienteering. Uh, first, I think it's it's all about discipline. Because like everything is put on the edge when it comes to night orienteering, like in the way of your orienteering technique. 
in, in the day that you can be saved by like changing, like looking to the right in the last second, mm -hmm. and then up oh, there was the stone, for example. But in the night, it's like everything comes down, so you have to be 100% accurate. And to be 100% accurate, I think for many, it is about like listen to your like uh, spontaneous thoughts, like do I know where I am right now? I need to stop like uh, checking your like, uh, some people like maybe have this like a box uh, or like a list, like yes, I'm, I'm put now I'm like on the path. Mm -hmm. Yes, and then like, okay, I'm gonna now turn and uh, then check the compass yes okay now the next feature is the maybe the big hill mm -hmm. yes there it is like always make clear you do all things in the right way uh, that's like the overall tip and then yeah. of course it's like always take the road choice safe is always better than like chancing yeah, yeah. in the night it comes down like it's so important and it, it comes with the with the last Thing, like because you need a good confidence and yeah I mean it, it might sound stupid like ah good confidence but I mean if you do those things and like the second thing like taking the root choices you're also going to build your confidence because mm. that's what it's all about keep fighting like yeah maybe you make a small mistake it's way easier to lose that confidence so always like keep it high keep it high believe in yourself like I, I think so many people are like struggling a little bit and then the next control if they don't get the flag directly they're like okay i'm not uh, at the wrong place mm. but maybe then they were actually like very close so it's like important to keep the high confidence uh, in yourself and then work with it like taking the right route choices so you can keep it high yeah and then and, and keep it simple yeah because otherwise you get pushed around by the terrain and then yeah. you like once the focus drops you're being dictated to by yeah. and i by mean that happens a lot for many people in, in daylight as well. Mm -hmm. But in yeah, night, yeah. I, I mean, it happens to almost everyone. I mean, the best one in night orienteering, they struggling with this as well. I'm, I'm certain of it. Yeah, oh no, I'm sure. Yeah, because it happened to me this morning. Yeah. <laughs> like just Because when you just get pushed off line and pushed off line, then you struggle to get back on, you lose it a bit, and you go, oh, what am I doing, what am I, yeah. But, I'm sure every yeah, like so everyone at night has to have those feelings at some point during a night race. Yeah. They can't they can't about, not have them. Exactly, and it's about controlling them like okay I have like maybe running these boring, easy routes all over the race and now it's like ah oh, it's three controls left. I'm now gonna take the chance to go straight. No. No, no, no. It's like that's what I mean with the discipline. It's mm. like stick to the plan. Yeah, it's worked so far. In the, in the day, you can like, oh, yeah, oh, it was, you can look far. Oh, my plan was to go around, but oh, I can, I can see here so far. And it's like a good uh, line to take. I, mm. I, I, I changed the route. In night, like stick to the plan. Be disciplined, be boring. Because yeah. in the end, <laughs> it's going to pay off. Boring people win night orienteering. <laughs> <laughs> is that what Yeah, well, like... But the, it's true because if you just stick to it and, and you're regimented and you just follow process, 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 yeah. then you'll average out yeah. a good performance. Yeah. With the Whereas limited, people are spiking around. And I mean, with the limited vision you have in night, with the depending, of course, how, how torch are, but I mean, even the best torch you have so much limited view than you have in yeah. daylight, it's like so much harder to keep a clean race. Of course, 
it's also a bit different from from country to country, terrains to terrains. But in generally, when like uh, at least where I run night orienteering, like and I have been running night orienteering in lots of uh, countries, it's even in the easiest countries terrain, it's still way more demanding in the night. So it's like mm. I still need to do uh, these things, like be be uh, structured and be really like precise in my way of orienteering. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Even though, like sometimes in the in those areas, we can see a lot, and it's maybe more easier uh, in the day. I'm like not even thinking of having plans, and I think I just go and run super fast, and then oh, there's the features. Mm. But in the night, you you yeah, if you have like one big stone in an open field, and in daylight, you yeah, you see 500 meters up there, it is. But that yeah. stone you don't see even if your head torch is super good because and then if you're running 100 meters past it you won't see it. So yeah. It like comes down to using your compass like making those like for example if you go in with a compass leg in night maybe I just push straight on in the night I I have to maybe decide to okay I'm gonna simplify I'm gonna have to bounce maybe to something to the right or to the left mm -hmm. so I can get closer before I take the last compass course but yeah. on, on a day leg I would just go straight from the beginning but like let's say like I have a 500 meter leg daylight I just go straight but in the night I will maybe use like uh, 100 meters to the right of the contour that's a big hill I will maybe bounce towards that hill in the night like running oh here's the hill okay now I know where I am now I only have 100 meters left to the control now I take the new compass uh, course towards the control like making it simple, simpler yeah, yeah. So, it's, so whilst being more process driven you've still got to make it as easy for yourself as possible you can't yeah. read it I mean, stopping and reading every single feature you'll never get anywhere yeah exactly because I mean it's also about simplifying and, 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 and still you've still got to race yeah and, and, and I still want to run as fast as possible so I, I mm. still have to that's for me that's a problematic thing like you have to be more structured more safe but then and again you still want to run as fast as possible so, so that's what you have to be mm. coping with like I mean you know that straight line and finding control is way faster yeah but the risk and like you know if, if you don't find it the minutes gonna start counting and maybe in, in daylight, I mean, it's only about seconds if you make a mistake going mm. straight because you go, oh, yeah, I'm there. And then in the night, that takes longer time. If you're you, swinging the headlamp around. Yeah, and, yeah, and it's yeah, like, yeah. often it's way harder to really, like, get those two, three extra features. Ah, oh, now I know where I am because mm. you only have one feature. And then, like, yeah, there is, I have the, I'm right at the stone. Oh, yeah, there are 10 other stones here on the yeah, ground. Yeah. But on the day, ah, oh, you see the ten stones, and then you, ah, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm on the seventh to the right. Mm. Okay, but yeah, okay, um, there are three stones here in night. Okay, I can be on the three to the right. I can be on the three second from the right. I can be from the three third from the right. I mean, there's so many more options if you just see fewer details. Mm. So it's about having a lot of confidence as well in your own ability and going right. I'm at these yeah. stones. Yeah. I know I'm at these stones I'm going for it yeah. not second guessing and yeah exactly so if you got to be clear there because then that's what's going to happen like I let's say like I'm, I'm, maybe I'm here continuing 
you don't see the flag, boom, you're gonna like decide, okay, maybe I wasn't there. So okay. that's what it's all about, being confident. So when you're actually at the right place, not finding control, you take those extra steps like, but it should be here. And then maybe you go like all the way around the stone. Ah, there it was. Yeah, Because yeah, yeah. I see so many times when I'm like following people, like they, they do small mistakes, the confidence drops, and then they like, if they don't, they see a stone, they check, like, oh, no, it's not here. But they never go mm -hmm. like the whole way around it. Uh, uh, because they're like, oh, it's not here. Oh, damn, I must be wrong. Whereas it's actually, like, it's just around the corner. It's just around the corner. Yeah. And then they like, oh, it, I, I must have been doing something wrong because I'm bad. But uh, I'm always like, no, always trust yourself. Believe in yourself mm. first. Like, can you by 100% certainly say it was not here? Then, yeah. okay, now I'm wrong. But I mean, how, how much time does it take to run around a stone? Like, quite often like five seconds yeah. if you're like a big big stone and okay but then you know okay it's not here okay where am i yeah yeah instead of like oh it's not here go away and then come back two minutes later oh it was on that side yeah i think a lot of people especially well maybe me but they they just forget to because you just revert back to what maybe you did as a child with your orienteering at night orienteering i think like that yeah. you just panic and you revert back to what used to be your go-to technique and not always now your process. So you don't read your descriptions, you don't check which side of the stone's on. So when you're actually going to the stone, you don't check, oh, okay, east side, mm. and go actually around there. You get, you get to the south side and go, oh, not here. Yeah. Oh, bloody hell, oh, no, yeah. Like I yeah. said, now bad. Yeah. But it, just, it, it all just rolls away and spirals out of control yeah. kind of thing. And I mean, of course, it's like, and then it's the stress, because you know it's like you're losing time. And like all of those things, of course. Yeah. Be, be, like even higher yeah that's where people come on yeah you can tell good orienteers and where they come unstuck at night but yeah we'll see hopefully it all goes well tonight then so, conf yeah. so confidence boring and, plans boring plans fun. and then just believe in yourself and, yeah. and go for it yeah brilliant let's go and keep do it, it simple. keep it simple okay that's the aim for tonight keep it simple yeah so that's all we've got time for in this episode. Thanks to everybody who was able to chat to Will out in Portugal. We'll be back in a couple of weeks where maybe we'll be back to normal on the running. We'll see you then.